The readings from Isaiah and from Matthew present challenges to our common sense understanding of God's chosen leaders, God's anointed son, and therefore God as well. The challenge from Isaiah is for us to envision a leader who does not intimidate, who does not crush the weak, who does not oppress the powerless, and who is not loud-mouthed, but instead is gentle, merciful, and soft-spoken, even. With so many of the world's leaders leaning on shows of force and rhetoric of war, it's difficult for us to see a different form of leadership available to us. Elsewhere in the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, the challenge to Jesus' authority seems to be rooted in hierarchy and fear. The religious leaders of Jesus' day will be threatened by his presence and teaching in the temple. More authority for Jesus will mean less authority for the elite, and they will want to minimize as much dissent as they can to preserve the status quo. So they will test him publicly to outwit him in front of the, the crowds. They'll ask, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you that authority? And Jesus, in response, will ask the same question about John the Baptist. And the religious leaders will face a dilemma. If they say that John's authority is simply from the people, then the people will revile them. And if they say that John's authority is from God, then they will have to face the charge of professing to be religious leaders while opposing and harming someone who is doing God's work. The problem for the religious leaders is saying that John the Baptist only derives his authority from the people he served. That kind of condemnation would offend anyone who had been ministered to by John the Baptist. And to understand why, you should put yourself in the shoes of the many who had been healed by him. Think of someone who helped you in your life. Maybe that person made you see things more positively, or helped you forgive a loved one, or helped you turn over a new leaf, or gave you a fresh start. How would you describe what that person did for you? Did you value it? Was it a blessing? Did you thank God for it? Maybe you even felt like God put that person in your life and you wouldn't be where you are today without such grace. That's how people saw John the Baptist, who preached a baptism of repentance simply for people to turn from their ways, to wash themselves of their past, and to face the future as a bold people. It's also how people thought about Jesus, who offered forgiveness of sins and preached that the kingdom of God is at hand. And to me, that's a good sign that God's love for us is so strong that we can become aware of it and name it as a gift from God. Jesus is the Son of God, and people can recognize that. The answer to the question, by what authority are you doing these things, is, in truth, never a choice between God and the people, if you're doing something because God wants you to, it will meet the needs of those around you, and they will recognize it, and that what you are doing is a part of God's love.
As some of you know, I once had the opportunity to volunteer about 25 hours a week at the Department of Spiritual Care and Chaplaincy at Johns Hopkins Hospital. It was a privilege to serve there, and I know it was a gift from God to me to be able to sit with people when they heard the worst news you can hear in that setting. They said it to me, too, that they were glad someone was there to sit with them. And I hope that they saw that as a part of God's care for the world. Each day after parking in the McKeldry Street garage downtown and climbing a broad brick-covered sidewalk to North Broadway, I stepped across the threshold of an old red brick building with its patinaed copper uh, cupolas and spires. And I entered, and I was daily faced with a truly larger-than-life statue of Jesus Christ, resurrected and bearing the scars of his crucifixion. The size of that sculpture is something rare, but incorporating religious images and icons is not unusual for a church and hospital setting. What held my attention one day was how a nurse, perhaps finishing a night shift, abruptly stopped from her fast pace out of the hospital, just for a moment to reach out her hand and touch the foot of the statue of Christ. I noticed where she touched was more worn than the rest of the carving, more polished by the devotional acts of passers-by who touched the foot of this figure for heaven knows what. Maybe they looked for support and consolation, or perhaps they were entrusting a patient to God's care as they left the hospital. Or maybe they had just adopted a ritual of letting go of their charges and their burdens so that they could be less preoccupied with their families. The practice of entrusting to God, entrusting to the divine and the sacred, entrusting to the will of the universe is a practice that I can identify with. This practice of leaning onto the great mystery that comforts our spirits when we can't fix all the problems we wish we could is a practice I need to make more room for in my own life. And seeing it observed by staff and visitors to the hospital so reverently reassured me that there is always room for the sacred to make its way into our hearts and our lives. One day, as I carried the on-call pager, the hospital was hectic and busy, I arrived at the spiritual care conference room and immediately received a page, calling me to the one of the units on the other side of the hospital. I began walking at 9.30 a.m., and I did not stop for the rest of the day. The pager buzzed, and fellow chaplains covered for overlapping calls one hour to the next, and every page was responded to by me or someone else. And some patients were barely alert and responsive. A nurse or a family visitor had paged. One patient was aggressive, and the nursing and security staff rushed in to help him back to his bed. Others, though, were cheerful and in good spirits, all things considered, and with a chaplain's presence in the room, we prayed. And then the pager sounded off, and we ventured to the next patient's room. At roughly 4.30 p.m., the pager alarm beeped, and the message read, Code. 
I rushed to the floor and then to the unit and finally the room of the patient. And at the scene were a score of medical staff, pharmacists, technicians. The team worked harmoniously on the patient. A kind of buzzing came out from the room with various people calling for different treatments and kits and others responding immediately and fluidly. And the work continued. And the calls for interventions became less frequent as each one had already been exhausted. And staff began chest compressions and the hum from the room became quieter, more resigned, more solemn. I saw the face of one of the nurses as she lost her composure, her forehead wrinkled, her skin flushed, her eyes shining with the beginnings of tears. The interventions weren't working. The man was dying in front of us. And like the nurse, I felt heartache. I felt urgency. I felt powerlessness over death and fate and the hidden side of providence. I saw pain in a person who has made it her profession to face those feelings of heartache and urgency, to stare down powerlessness time and again. And I prayed for her and for her team as I stood there. I did what I could to support the effort, and it wasn't a heroic act to pray. It wasn't a saintly thing to stand by someone who was struggling to help a stranger. It was just a very normal, very human, very God-given thing to do, to care. What Jesus did was care about his neighbors, all of them. At the start of his ministry, he saw the inherent dignity in John, his cousin, his friend. What John the Baptist did was care about his people. And he saw the gift of Jesus' presence in his midst as well, wandering aloud. Do you come to me? It's not a question of whether that sense of overwhelming love was something that was given to them by God or credited to them by their community. God would have each of us care for each other. And God's own spirit moves in our hearts as well to help us recognize when we are being blessed and cared for by others. The only question worth asking is what do you do to be a blessing to someone else? I invite your response. Amen.